Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Game of Love podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Smith, and today I am thrilled because I have a very, very special guest. He is spiritual guru and one of my dearest friends, Aaron Abke, is with us. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me on the Game of Love today. Thank you for having me, Jessica. I, I was thinking about this before we started. I do so many podcasts, probably uh, at least two a week, sometimes five a week. I'll just have one every day. And I love having conversations. I love doing podcasts, but it's like a super rare treat when I get to do a podcast with a good friend of mine. So I've been looking forward to this one. Likewise, I feel the same way. And I've had so many amazing guests on my show. And oh, I've been dreaming of this moment of having you on because not only are you one of my closest friends, you know so much. You are you are really the authority on the law of one. And to have you come on and talk about this, I can't even put a word to it, this amazing gift bestowed upon us as human beings. And to be able to talk about that is is beautiful in itself. And to talk about it in regards to our love life, our romantic life, whether we're in a relationship or we're single, wherever we are, the law of one has so much to offer us in, in terms of guidance, validation, overall understanding. And so I am thrilled to have this conversation with you. And we've been wanting to do this for how many months now? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, quite a while. Finally made it happen, though. Ah, Thank goodness. <laughs> So thank you so much for coming on. And again, I'm really excited to talk about this topic and especially for my listeners, you know, most of them are single. They're looking for love. Some might be struggling. Some might be elated and living their best single life. And then and your audience is very diverse and there's... A, a sensitive topic that I want to uh, touch on, and that is the suffering, the not only the collective suffering, but the the suffering in terms of our romantic lives. That oh, we hear marriage is hard, dating sucks, and you know most of us as human beings are pining for to find the one, to find the soulmate, to to be in a relationship and. You know, there's there's a lot behind there, and there is a lot that the law of one has to offer us. So, I, I'm one of my intentions with this podcast uh, is to reduce that suffering, to quiet and ease that suffering, and really elevate people's spirits. And you're the perfect person to do that. Yeah, well, thank you. I feel like I am very qualified to have a conversation like this for two reasons. One, because Virtually all of my life lessons have come through relationships and suffering at the hands of relationships. So I have a lot of experiential data to pull from there. But then too, obviously knowing the law of one um, pretty deeply, the law of one has a surprising amount to say about this topic, about sexual energy transfer relationships uh, and how that can be used as a catalyst for spiritual growth. It's, it's really actually one of the most discussed topics in all the law of one. And not a lot of people realize that, but when you read it, this, this topic of sexual energy transfer comes up over and over again. And it was such an interesting thing for me to read about. And I think as we get into this, your listeners will probably find this a very fascinating angle to look at 
that will probably provide a lot of really good answers for some of these questions you just brought up about why do we suffer so much? Why are relationships so hard? Why is it so hard to find love? When we understand the science, because it is a science of how sexual energy transfer works and the way it filters into everything about our, our romantic life, and it changes our orientation and our makeup even mentally, all of a sudden you start seeing where everything ties in about why I'm attracting these kind of people and why do I keep having these kinds of experiences? It's really powerful insight. It is, it is. And there is so much to dive into. And and real quick, I just want to talk to anyone that's not familiar with the law of one, go to the show notes. And Aaron, like I said, he's the authority on this. And the law of one is pretty deep and intense and, and dense. And thank goodness we have you to translate and give us the more abridged version, the digestible human version. So law I law of one for dummies, I like to call it. <laughs> so anyone that wants to dive into the law of one, please visit the show notes. You can see Aaron's videos and go from there. I think an interesting place to dive into is. You and I, I've made this clear now, we we are close friends and we've had lengthy and numerous conversations uh, about our love lives. And one of the gifts that you have given me is reflected to me how I view romantic relationships. And I have a very unique outlook and I don't share it with the world I in a full-fledged podcast. It comes out in little snippets. And, and we don't have to talk about your love life, but the way that you approach your love life is very similar to mine. And I think there is so much juiciness in there. There is so much peace and happiness. Because people look at us and they're like, oh my gosh, you're so happy. You must be like in this type of relationship or this and this, yeah. and, you know, they, people make assumptions and, and really, I think what goes on deep with, within us is very beautiful and it's very law of one. Yeah. It's very law of one. It's, it's like when you understand the game you're playing, so to speak, you have a whole new, like uh, fervor and passion to play that game the right way. And I think the problem for most people is they just really don't understand the game they're playing or they, they understand it a wrong kind of way. They think it works this way when it actually kind of works this way. So yeah, again, the law of one has this amazing way of like really explaining it in such practical terms that you can't, once you understand the terminologies, you really can't mess it up anymore. And then you start seeing it in your life. You're like, oh, there it is. It's showing up in this relationship and this kind of experience. And you just change the way you engage with it. And then the fruits of that change begin to become evident in your life. Absolutely. Rod talks about and gives us guidance to being a, a a good human and making it to the next density. And I think that is when when I heard you talk about it in one of your videos, when you were you were talking about it, and I would love for you to share in just a moment what Ra says and and how we can evolve. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the key to happiness. In our love lives. So what does Ra share with us in, in furthering our evolution? Yeah. So for those people who are listening, who maybe have never heard of the law of one, it's a channel text, which means that it is essentially, it's an extraterrestrial civilization 
speaking through this uh, channeler named Carla. And there were three people in the sessions. One was the scribe who was taking down notes. His name is Jim McCarty, kind of writing the transcripts. The second is Don Elkins, who was the questioner. And then the channeler was Carla Ruckart. So the three of them did these dedicated channeling sessions and over about four-year period came up with this text, The Law of One, which is 106 of these channeling sessions with this ET civilization named Ra. And they don't, their name isn't Ra to themselves, but it's what apparently the Egyptians named them like 11,000 years ago. So whenever they communicate with humans, they just use the name that humans gave them a long time ago. So they identify as, as Ra and they speak in the plural because they're really a whole planetary civilization of beings that share one mind. And they just begin questioning Ra about the nature of reality. And, and Ra just explains like, here's, here's the game you're playing, right? You're in a universe that's designed to facilitate the evolution of the soul. The evolution of the soul happens through this process we call reincarnation. And this process of reincarnation happens through this model or blueprint, we might say, of what Jessica just mentioned as the, the densities, seven densities of consciousness. You could look at it as seven stages of evolution that consciousness kind of moves through. And you might say, well, why are there seven stages? How do we know there are seven stages? And Ra explains that this, this archetypal number of seven shows up in the kind of the fabric or the blueprint of, of the universe in a lot of ways, the color wheel, for example, if you look at a rainbow, it's got seven colors. Those seven colors correlate to the seven chakras. And if you're familiar with chakras, you know that each chakra has a color, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. And then that also coincides with the seven notes on the musical scale. So Rob basically says that the soul evolves like a piano moves up the seven notes of a musical scale. And when you get to that that eighth note is the, actually the first note of the next octave, right? If you're like in C major, um, C, D, E, F, G, A, B is the seventh, and then C begins the next octave. And Ross says that's how the whole universe actually works. The eighth density would be the first density of the next universe. So for that reason, Ra refers to universes as octaves. Mm. And each one of us in that same sense is a mini universe. We are an octave of experience. We have these seven chakras and we evolve through each of the chakras. So when you understand like what each chakra represents and just in basic, you know, spiritual language, you understand that these also represent the stages of evolution that consciousness has to move through. And so you begin to see those stages in your own life experience and suddenly your life takes on an unimaginable amount of meaning. Because you realize you're not just this person living this one meaningless life by random happens chance, but actually you're a soul on an evolutionary journey and your life experience here actually means a lot. There, there are, um, there's a lot at stake in a sense, which really all that's at stake is your own suffering in that sense. Like everyone will eventually return back to the source. Nobody loses the game, but... Some people can play the game a lot longer before they beat it <laughs> and maybe elongate their suffering a lot more than they need to. So again, we go back to that analogy that we've used is like, once you understand the game you're playing, there's just a natural sense of urgency for like, okay, I want to play this game right. Let me start evolving and growing so I don't have to just keep coming back here and reliving this hell over and over again, right? 
So it's important. I so appreciate you laying that out for us. And every time I hear you describe it, because I watch all of your videos and it just becomes more and more clear. One of your videos I was watching and you were you laid out the spectrum of the densities and, and the colors and the qualities of each density. And when Ross says, you know, if you're going to evolve, do these things. Like he gave us like a, a little uh, cheat sheet, as you will, to, you know, how to evolve. And one of them was, and, and this is my translation, this is, this is not quoting, that when you are out in the world in your daily life and for the sake of this conversation, in your love life, treat the other person with kindness and respect, like another human, they are another soul, they are another entity, they are you. And I think in, in terms of dating, we forget about that. You know, I think that's part of the, the overall yeah. uh, disillusion of you are separate from me and I don't trust you. I don't know you. And there conjures up all of this. And so feel free to remark on that. And then also, if you want to give us um, more of what Ross says that we need to do to evolve. Yeah. So this is where we can kind of move it into the idea of the sexual energy exchange. Um, the, the Really, the meat of the law of one is in understanding the difference of polarities, uh, positive and negative polarities, or, or masculine, feminine, we like to say. And I want to preface this by saying that the law of one and raw in the law of one makes very clear that the law is one means all is equally valid. There's not like, like positive doesn't mean good and negative doesn't mean bad. It's literally just like chemistry. An electron can have a positive charge or a negative charge. And raw explains both are equally valid expressions or experiences of the creator. So there's no judgment towards the negative path any less than there is of the positive path from a higher perspective. Now, we in, here in third density with our lower consciousness way of thinking, we tend to label negative equals evil, bad, wrong, positive equals good and appropriate, but it doesn't work like that. It's just two different experiences you can choose to have. But that being said, those two experiences you can have carry very different consequences. And those consequences aren't wrong, again, but there are consequences to both ways of engaging with reality. So essentially, we are here at this stage of our soul's evolution to choose between those two polarities. And like I just mentioned, you'll keep coming back here infinite amount of lifetimes until your soul finally chooses, do I want to be positively polarized or negatively polarized? And once you choose a polarity, then your consciousness can really start evolving um, to higher densities, higher states of consciousness where you can access all these abilities we see that extraterrestrials have, the way they can travel here through thought and you know, the UFO technology we witness all the time in the news, all of this is being done through their consciousness. Like technology is obsolete at their level of evolution. So if, you wanna, if we want to get there, we have to choose a polarity first, which means you commit yourself to love or you commit yourself to separation. That's the positive and the negative, right? Ooh. So where this, where this is interesting, Jessica, is how it relates to our sexuality and uh, once you understand that when, when, whenever you engage in a sexual encounter, you are either exchanging positive energy or negative energy, mm. whether you know that or not. 
And where it gets more interesting is that it happens through the chakras. The energy transfer happens through the energy centers. So assuming that most people listening have a basic understanding of the chakras, I'll just summarize by saying that the lower three chakras, the root chakra, which is at the base, kind of between the legs where the legs meet, sacral chakra, which is in like the lower abdominal kind of intestines area, um, or, or just above the genitals actually. Uh, and then the third chakra is the solar plexus, which is in like the upper abdomen. Um, those are the three negatively polarized chakras, or you could think of it as like the South Pole, and like Earth has a North and a South Pole. So the negative polarity is that which attracts to itself, which absorbs, uh, it's, it's magnetic, draws into itself. The negative polarity is to possess, to claim, to own, right? Would you say it's more primal as well? Exactly. Yeah. They're also referred to as the primal energy centers, the animalistic right. energies of, of our makeup. And again, equally valid, an equally valid expression of what we are. Right. Because if, if for us to be whole and complete, we have to have them all balanced, healthy, catered to, right? And you know, it goes back to that it's not good or bad. It's like, no, if our root chakra is out, you know, it, it throws off the system a little bit. So yes, they're, they're important yes. nonetheless. hundred it, it's, it's of primary importance actually. And, and most of what Ross spends their time talking about in the law of one is how to balance those lower three. That's really the major work that we as humans have to do. And it's, it's a very rare being who balances their primal centers and a- has access to the heart chakra which opens the, the person to universal love with all, all beings. And that's where happiness is found, joy, peace, fulfillment, satisfaction at the heart chakra level. So to get the energy to meet the heart chakra, you got to unblock the lower three. And so the positive path evolves in polarity by unblocking the energy center and letting energy flow freely. But the negative path polarizes by blocking and distorting the chakras further and further and further until you have so many blocks that you actually have built sort of like a fortress in yourself, a barrier of separation between yourself and, and your environment. And so for that reason, Ra classifies the, the positive polarity as service to others, love-based. Uh, the positive polarity is radiating, the opposite of the negative. Negative is magnetic, absorbing. Uh, positive is radiating or outgiving. So... So the negative polarity is that which is service self. It's all about me. So here where we get into sexual energy transfer, Ra explains that those lower three centers represent, like Jessica just said, kind of your primal nature. So the red ray root chakra represents your, literally your animal nature, which is just two things. It's your survivability and your sexuality. So red ray or root chakra blockages happen Whenever there's a fear of survival or safety, that will block red ray or um, some kind of negative trauma or fear around sexuality. That'll also create a blockage there. Orange ray is the second one, and that represents our relationship to ourself. So our emotional world, um, our personal history, personal traumas, the way we feel about ourselves, how much we like or dislike ourselves. So the orange uh, ray or sacral chakra will, will be blocked by disliking myself, judging myself, uh, resisting any aspect of myself, and vice versa, liking myself, accepting myself will unblock that center. Mm. 
And then the third primal center is the yellow ray, solar plexus, which represents our relationship to the other. So people like politicians, leaders, teachers, these are people who are very active in yellow ray. They've mastered and learned to a great extent how to have relationships with others, either in a positive way or in, in a negative way. A negative way is would be like people who are really slick with their words and they they know how to carry a certain persona that gets you to see them a certain way, maybe as superior or whatever, and they they can polarize by gaining your power from you. That's always how the negative polarizes. So taking power or acquiring power from another is how I enhance myself if I'm a negatively polarized being. And so in sexual energy exchange, Ra explains that if you are having a sexual encounter with somebody and either person is seeing themselves or the other as being possessed or doing the possessing or being dominated or doing the dominating, that is a negatively polarized energy transfer. And I think you would probably agree that that's, I would imagine, you know, 80 to 90% of the sexual encounters that happen in our culture. Very rare sexual encounters are actually based on love and based on, I want to fulfill you in this exchange rather than fulfill myself through this exchange. Yes. Oh my goodness. I see it on the daily. Uh, <laughs> one of uh, one of my friends, teacher, colleague, his name is Swami Dharmananda. He was giving a lecture and we were sitting together and he told the, the group, he said, the problem with Western relationships are, we're all asking, what can you do for me? What are you going to do for me? And I feel like that's, that's how we operate when we're in those lower chakras. It's like, I need you to do something for me. I, I need you to give me something. I need you to give me attention. I need you to give me love. I need you to give me an orgasm. I need you to give me, you know, make me feel good about me. And yeah, it's, it's something that I'm sure many people listening definitely feel that. And you say the minute you stop fulfilling me, I'm going to break up with you. Right. Yes. That's the the general mode of relationships. <laughs> exactly. And when it comes to the energetic exchanges, I, I I really believe that most people can feel them too when they're in that moment. If if you tune in and listen to yourself, your partner, the environment, you listen to your intuition, you'll you'll feel that like, ooh, this is really to use modern day terms to be mainstream is like, oh, this is definitely a hookup. This is definitely a hookup because there we are not, we are not using chakras above our waist. (laughs) A word that I've been saying a lot this week is fear. And I, I believe that a lot of people, when they are operating within those lower chakras, there's a lot of fear there. And something that something that gets me with dating these days, and we're going to come back to this energy exchange. I'm just diverting a little bit. Something that gets me is how catching feels is a terrible thing. Uh, isn't that funny? I'm like, then what are we doing here? What? Uh, why are we even trying to date or be together to spend time together if we're not going to feel goodness? Ah, <sighs> it's. And so going back to the the chakras and the energy exchanges is that it seems as though in our society at this point in time, it's 
more often than not, people are operating in those lower realms. Yes. And, and what you just said is explained in a very profound way in the law of one of why that happens. Why do people get to this place where they've, they've hooked up with so many people and had so many flings and, and gone from person to person for so long that they're so desensitized that when they do finally find a person who they can connect with and form intimacy with, they're afraid of that and they resist that. Ra explains that basically the reason that happens is because negatively polarized sexual energy exchanges create more blockages in those centers and blockages leave this unending, unquenchable thirst for more. Uh, it leaves the, the, the one with the blockages left even more unsatisfied, like needing even more to have that same experience happen. So it's, it's all ego-based. And in a sense, the ego's kind of mode of operation is always like seek, but do not find, right? You're, you're seeking for fulfillment, but you never actually get it. Like you'll get maybe a, a short little sort of like a drug hit when you like mm-hmm. when a drug addict shoots up or something, there's that, that little brief moment of, of relief right. from the pain and the suffering and, oh, I'm, I'm high, I feel great. And then it wears off quickly and they're just even more craving that high again. That's what happens to us sexually when we continue to have these negatively polarized energy exchanges with people. And again, that's not wrong. It's just that's the nature of the negative polarity. It's mm-hmm. distorting. It's high entropy. It's, it's supposed to be imbalanced. Balance is the positive polarity. So by, by its nature, the negative is the opposite of whatever the positive is. So when you do meet somebody who you can actually see their true self, their, their beautiful aspects, their, their authentic expression, and you begin to find that love for this being, then in that hookup kind of culture, it's like, oh, I'm catching feels. I can't have that because that means I would have to commit to this person and stop my endless seeking and quest to satisfy this lust which never will and cannot be satisfied. That's mm-hmm. the point of it is to keep that seeking going, which eventually, if you, if you continue to polarize down the negative path, Ra explains that like negatively polarized extraterrestrials use sexual energy as a very powerful means of conquering and enslaving others. And Ra even says that the highest form of a negative energy exchange in sex would be like, when the dominator achieves orgasm and, and they say, but the dominated or the possessed entity almost never does. It's mm-hmm. like the point of the, the dominator to please itself without pleasing the dominated. So there's that, um, you're the object of my possession and I become more powerful, more satisfied, whatever enhanced because I conquered you. Mm-hmm. And again, that's basically what hookup culture is. Men are on this endless unquenchable journey to conquer as many women as they can. And it's like, for most of these guys, they've been doing this since they were a teenager. And then they become that sort of creepy 50 year old guy at the bar who's still trying to pick up 20 year olds. And they're just now they're now what are you going to do? Now you're not, you can't be a ladies man when you're 60 anymore. And so it creates a ton of suffering and there's so much blockage now in their energy centers that they're not even capable of a loving relationship without first doing a lot of spiritual work on themselves to cleanse those distortions out of the system. So again, the energy can finally make its way up to the heart and they can connect with somebody. So there are consequences to that behavior. Not that those consequences are bad necessarily. It's just a matter of what do you want, right? Mm -hmm. Can you be honest with yourself and look in the mirror and say, okay, 
I want love. I want intimacy and connection with another soul. If that's what you want, then you have to commit to the positive path, which means stop giving your energy away to people. Stop receiving other people's negative energy Mm -hmm. because every single encounter you have is paying a consequence in your energy body. Mm. Which is, that's beautiful guidance right there. It's when you encounter someone, you know, take, take, taking the temperature, the spiritual temperature. And it's like, Ooh, is this going to enhance or hurt me now? I, I need to be, I always say, uh, being very discerning is, is key. And the secret is everything. Oh, it is everything. And ooh, oh my gosh, Aaron, all that you said there, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And we could have stopped at any point and gone down these, these different routes. And, you know, talking about the 60-year-old like playboy that, uh, you know, he's not reliant on, you know, his looks anymore. And, uh, you know, w- just using that as an example as, you know, the midlife crisis or really just the the moment of immense pain if it's a 60-year-old playboy or if it's a 23-year-old college girl or you know the whole spectrum i i think one of the keys to getting us to reevaluate of how we are operating with the sexual energy and where we are personally with our spiritual growth is a lot of it has to do with with pain and and suffering. And and you talk about that a lot on your channel and ego and suffering and all that good stuff. And it's, it's a lot. And we see it, we see it. So it's so in our face with our culture. If, I mean, you know, that I love my hip hop. I love rap. Like I listen to the the, the worst of it or the best of it. And I, 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 I love being a human at this time, I, I love exploring the pleasures of life and, uh, you know, all that good stuff. Yet it is so in our face when you were talking about the, the dominating and um, it's just really, really fascinating a little scary. I can't lie. It's a little scary. <laughs> I know. A little bit of a wake-up call, right? But it's it's not scary in the sense that you're you're not going to become a fully like negatively polarized being just through sex or something. Like it's just it's in the sense if you're trying to become positively polarized, choose the path of love and light and you want your soul's evolution to go up that path. If that's what you want, then it's just like, hey, just know that every one of these sexual encounters you're having are just taking your positive charge away. It's just making it harder for you to evolve. It's not going to like drag you into the darkness or something like that, but there are consequences to it. And one of the things you just mentioned is the suffering it brings. Another really huge point to this that, that has to be mentioned is that another, again, natural consequence of the negative path, which is the path of separation, Mm. is that these distortions we build up, these blockages and this, this sort of like itch that can't be scratched that is created as a result of that becomes more and more distorted as that seeking to satisfy that, that itch gets worse and worse, which is why we see slowly the sexual desires will become more for like kink and bondage and more stuff like that. And eventually, in some cases, this is where we get distortions like pedophilia and um, any, kind of, any kind of what we would classify as um, bad or evil or wrong uh, kind of sexual encounter where there's not like, like rape, pedophilia, these kinds of things. Those are negative blockages in the energy center that have gotten so, so blocked that they're now having to express 
in this fashion. Because again, it can't be satisfied. It just keeps distorting further and further. So people that watch pornography, for example, they get addicted to porn and it's, do they, can they watch porn one day and go, oh, I did it. I satisfied the urge and now I'm good. I don't ever need to watch porn again. No, I know. you need no. it worse every day. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then the kinds of porn they need get, again, more and more distorted, right? They can't, they can't be turned on by the same things they were because they're so desensitized now. And so the beautiful thing is the positive path is the very opposite of that, is that the more positively you polarize, the more love and intimacy and connection there is with the being that you're having uh, sexual intimacy with, the more satisfying and enriching it is, the more it leaves you feeling a sense of euphoria and fulfillment and happiness and connection and love and oneness. And that only continues to get more, you get more sensitive to it and more powerful with it. Again, it's just important to know that these are the way polarities work and you should make a choice. (laughs) That's right. And I encourage my clients frequently to, to take a time out and I always say, act like you're a scientist and you're just going to go observe. So that way people aren't looking at themselves and judging themselves and like, oh, I shouldn't have slept with that girl the other night or those, you know, I shouldn't have done this and, you know, bring on that shame and everything. It's like, just take, just hit pause on your love life, on your sex life and just say, okay, how have I been operating? What experiences have I been experiencing? What feelings am I feeling? How, how am I left feeling after a sexual encounter? You know, just start to ask questions, you know, yes. again, very kindly and see what comes up. And then from there you can go, oh, okay. I realize that when I'm having sex with someone, I shut down or I'm trying to dominate or I'm feeling scared and unsafe. You know, there's. Yeah. Or I feel uh, guilty afterwards. Or I feel something. guilty. Yes. Uh, you know, I just put another notch in my belt, you know, whatever it is, examining that. And I, you can course correct at any time, any time. (laughs) Yes. That's the beauty of it. It's you're never out of the game. You never lose the game. You just play, you just choose the rule set you want to play by. So if that, if that negative path that I explained is the one you want, that's equally valid. You can have that path. But it's like there really are there are two mutually opposing thought systems. Like they don't agree anywhere. So you can't, it's I like to use the analogy of like soccer and basketball. Like you can't play soccer and basketball at the same time, right? Because one in one sport, you cannot ever even touch the ball with your hands. You have to kick it. But the other sport, you cannot kick it, you have to touch it with your hands. So the moment you try to even engage with the game by a different rule set, you lose the game. It doesn't work. Yeah. And there's a lot of people not realizing they're kind of doing that. It's like, I want love. I want romance. I want intimacy. But like, I just keep going on every weekend, trying to hook up with a new guy to find it or a new girl (laughs) to find it. And it's like, that's actually just understand that's making you even more desensitized to finding love. The more you give your energy to somebody that you haven't established a connection with. And so the question becomes like, well, Aaron, like what's, how soon is too soon then to, to have sex with somebody I'm dating? Like, when is it positive or negative? And the answer is really your own heart is the only one that can tell you when you feel safe with this person, like, oh, I know their intentions are the same as mine. They're not just telling me what I want to hear. So I'll take my pants off for them, right? Mm-hmm. They're, not just, um, they're not just putting on a character they think I want, but this person really cares about me. They want to get to know me. We're in, we have the same intention. 
then at that point, the sexual encounter is to enhance that connection. Right. Because you're both looking for it, right? That's when it's going to be a positively polarized thing versus like, again, just hookup sex is just about a quick momentary gratification. You're hot, I'm hot. We can enhance each other if we hook up and we'll feel better tomorrow. Boom, let's do it. But really, it was all about possessing the other, um, using them as a means to feel better about myself. And that's just a negatively polarized exchange. So it becomes very simple in that light. And your own heart is your own guidance system. Mm, I love that. I will often ask people, ask yourself this, is this a safe place to put your heart? Uh, that that is the the first question that needs to be answered if you're going to go down that path of the positive polarity in a sexual encounter. So, yes. Oof, uh, this is just a lot of one always blows my mind. It's mind blowing stuff, isn't it? It is. It is so beautiful. We can go back to sex and and uh, all of this at any point. I want to bring in a little different essence to this. I had one of my staff members say when we were talking about dating and we were talking about when, when is it okay to start to feel feels and when do people fall in love and kind of like the appropriateness of catching feels and falling in love and loving someone. And she looked at me, she's like, I, I could fall in love on the second date. And I, at the time I was like, well, that's just because you're just one of those weird clingy girls that just would be like, oh my God, I love you now. We just went out twice. And, you know, and for me, I sat with that and moved past my initial knee-jerk reaction. And it hit me. And I actually, it just so happened, it was at a very interesting point in my life that I was on this world tour and I was in Iceland and Italy and Jamaica and Costa Rica. And I was working and teaching and vacationing. And I was with people of the world. And I had all these beautiful interactions with different men and some of which were friends, some we flirted, some were lovers. And I got to experience it firsthand. Is it possible to fall in love on the second date? And in my exploration, you can fall in love and love someone instantly. And I, when I found the law of one, I thought it was beautiful that it really is like, duh, of course you can fall in love on the second date. Yeah. And it's because it's not even about like, like the term falling in love what we typically mean by that is, I like to use A Course in Miracles terminology sometimes, but the course talks about the idea of specialness, Ooh, of yeah. uh, you make me feel special, therefore I'm in love with you. Because you're so beautiful, you're so pretty, you're so handsome, you're so, uh, your personality is so attractive, so I feel special because you want me. Mm. And we say that's love. And so a lot of people, when they say like, oh, I fell in love on the second date, um, Usually what they're actually saying is, oh, I, I projected all my needs onto that person by the second date. You know, <laughs> I, I felt special with them by the second time. That was so special. But that's not love. Yeah. Specialness is not love because specialness is all about you. Mm. Love is all about the other. Love thinks no thought of itself. It just gives. And so to your point, yeah, truthfully, it's like you're either operating in love or not. Mm. So it's like, if it's not universal, it's not love. Meaning if I don't genuinely feel love and compassion and understanding and acceptance of this person, of all people I meet, um, from the moment I meet them, only that is real love. And beginning from that point, you develop the connection of like, okay, 
I love all beings in the world because that's the path I choose to be on. I choose to be love. So everyone is loved. But who is a match to me vibrationally that I can build a life with who's on the same level of spiritual growth and all of these things? To me, that's where the romantic connection comes into love, where you find that person who is in alignment with you spiritually and mentally, emotionally. You have to have the physical connection there, the physical attraction. And that's the primal centers and the lower three. That's a vital aspect of romance. Right. And then you also need the spiritual connection or the upper four chakras to be there as well. And that's when you have romantic love in my understanding of how the law of one teaches it. So again, it's both polarities are valid, but the negative becomes exalted to its most beautiful expressions when it's unblocked and allowed to meet the positive energy and the two kind of complete each other and dance with one another. Mm. You see that in true loving intimate romantic relationships, right? There's sexuality. There's the primal aspect. We're attracted to one another, but we also care for one another. We think of the other. We serve the other. That's a true romantic relationship. You got to have both. Oh, that was so well said and so beautiful. And just to reiterate that, yes, the specialness and there can be a lot of unhealthiness and also where when we are operating from a higher vibrational place and we are out single living our best lives, there is a lot of law of one at play because we can be out in the world and we see another person and we're like, wow, hello, God, you know, in Jason form. And hi, Kristen is God. This is so exciting. So I think that's one way as single people that we can implement the law of one's teachings and, and is really looking at each other as I know we were joking about the specialness, but really as unique and wonderful beings. And we're not just using them as like, I need you to satiate me and satisfy me. And yes. it's really this appreciation. And also where a lot of people are successful living their happy single lives is there's non-attachment. So it's just like, hey, you're you, I'm me, let's enjoy. Because I know we're coming together for a reason. You know, everybody that comes into our life comes for a reason, to give us a gift, to teach us something. It might be for a little brief interaction, could be a season of our lives, and it could be forever. And, and when we're not desperately holding on and we're just like, hey, let's just let's just enjoy our time together. If it's for five minutes or 50 years, let's do this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the uniqueness versus specialness. Ah, thank you. Everyone's thank unique. You. Yes. Everyone is a different, unique, and beautiful expression of the creator. And that's, I think, again, where the romantic love happens or when people say, I'm catching feels, yeah. is uh, when you're seeing this being's uniqueness now. Like you've gotten past the surface layer of all your projections, which mm -hmm. takes a long time for some people. Um, I need you to be like this. I hope you're like that. If you, I need you to fulfill me in this or that way. And you get past that. And then you see them as they actually are. And right. you start to fall in love with their uniqueness. So you, you're appreciating it. It really means you're appreciating this expression of God. So it's very divine, right? Yeah. But if you've got too many blockages, again, that threatens your endless seeking for sexual gratification because right. the whole point of a positive romantic relationship is Ra actually says the two are initiated into service to one another where the, you know, the wife, the 
husband, we just use those terms loosely, the wife becomes the husband's guru, the husband becomes the wife's guru, meaning you're my mirror now, I exist to serve you. And so, I mean, as we all know, right, nothing can trigger you and bring out those shadows like a romantic partnership will. You'll get down to the very last layer. That's right. And yes, being a yoga teacher for over a decade and and have delved into many text. It's so funny how, you know, like you said, guru is, you know, people are like, oh, guru is a teacher. It's like, well, your partner is your really one of your biggest gurus in your life because they, they do, they, they love you. They support you. They see you. They shine the light on the darkness within you and help you evolve. And it it cracks me up. Um, A little example, I, I teach Ashtanga yoga and there is seven, going back to the number, there's there's seven series in Ashtanga Yoga. And, you know, it starts at the primary series and you're just doing basic forward folds and triangle pose. And, and you know, it, it goes up and up and pretty soon, you know, you're doing crazy handstands with like, you know, you're contorting yourself and, you know, pretzeling yourself. And the highest, the, the seven series is to be a householder. So we go through six series of crazy, wild, physical, breathing, meditative practices. And then it's like, okay, go get in a relationship, have some children, hold down a job, be out in the world. And that's when the the real game starts. And there is like the, the man that brought us humans, yoga, brahmacharya, he went to Mount Kailash and I believe Mount Kailash has a lot of like spiritual, exciting properties. Anyway, he went up this mountain and was with his teacher for seven years. And he was, you know, lived with him in this cave and they did all the spiritual work. And at the very end of their time together, you know, it's customary for payment to be (laughs) issued. And so Brahmacharya says, you know, master, how, how can I repay you? And he says, I need you to go back and I need you to get married and have children. And he was like, the fuck, I am not doing that. I'm going to be a spiritual teacher. I want to teach. And his master said, that's how you become a great teacher. You have to be in these, you have to have a marriage to get through this. This is what he told him. I'm not saying listeners, you don't have to have a marriage to become uh, evolved or enlightened, but just the, that point that being a householder forces us to evolve. It forces us to look at ourselves. Yes. No, that's such a huge point because there's so much catalyst available in a relationship. They, again, they'll trigger the deepest, darkest parts of you that you didn't even know were there. So in a positive relationship where there's two beings who've come together to say, we want the positive path. We want to evolve into more love and light. And so our relationship now is our vehicle for that. Meaning I am here to serve you. Like a positive relationship is never about taking from the other, Mm -hmm. uh, which is specialness, right? I'm I'm in this relationship because you make me feel good about myself. And the moment you stop, I'm going to break up with you. Positive is the opposite. It's I think no thought of myself. I exist for you. And the other does the same thing. And um, my mom gave me a really beautiful analogy when I was young about how to have a healthy relationship. And her and my dad have been married for like almost 40 years. And they're so happy together. 
And she said, the reason we're happy is because relationships are like banks, Aaron. If you're always withdrawing from the other bank account, eventually it's going to run out. And if both people are just withdrawing, 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 which is the, typically it's the relationships where people get thrown into the heights of ecstasy and they fall crazy in love with each other. And all I think about is you, all I breathe is you. And (laughs) it's really, they're, they're, what they're saying is I feel so fucking incredibly special with you. You make me feel so special. And the moment that that stops happening, they immediately break up. So you have these people that like get married in a weekend and divorced by the next month. You know, we see that all the time. They rushed in. Yep. They burn out. Um, They rushed in and they burnt out. So it's like the intention was right. They want connection, but they're not seeing that they're looking at the connection selfishly. So my mom would say, if you're likewise depositing in the other person's bank account, just deposit, 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 and they're doing the same for you, then both bank accounts are always full. Mm. And that's kind of the nature of the positive relationship is that giving and receiving are really the same thing. So beautiful. And I think it's just on a very basic level, just day to day, it's you look at your partner and ask, what can I do for you? And then do those things. It's just that simple. How do you like your coffee? What kind of, what's your schedule like today? How can I support you today? And just being, being of service to others right there in your own home, in your own relationship. Because you can't be happy for and by yourself. It just doesn't, it doesn't exist. Happiness is received by giving it right? You can't, you can't have happiness for yourself while you hold it against someone else. It's impossible. What you give is what you receive. So at some point you learn this and you go, wow, you know, I'm actually at my happiest, my most vibrant, most fulfilled and satisfied when I'm giving and serving and loving someone else. So the relationship becomes that avenue where you're giving and loving and serving your partner and every act of service you give to them enhances you and fulfills you even more. And this is where we get into like, the upper chakras, the spiritual chakras, these, these loving partnerships can begin exchanging then even Blu-ray energy, which is throat chakra. Mm. And that's the, the chakra of honesty, communication, authenticity, self-expression. And uh, Ra even says, you touched on this a minute ago, Jessica, when you said the way you feel after a sexual encounter will tell you what kind of encounter it was. So if there's any sense of what Jessica described of feeling guilty or wrong or afraid or taken advantage of or prideful and arrogant and whatever, those are all signs of a negative exchange. But if you feel a connection with that person, you feel more intimate and close to them, that's green ray. If you feel like your communication has leveled up with them, your honesty with them, because I mean, a lot of what good, healthy, positive sex is, is communicating with your partner. Mm-hmm. Right. And in so many different ways. And to communicate, you got to be vulnerable. You got to be willing to be seen. Yeah. And so that's only a Blu ray activation. And so in, in sex, you can actually activate your Blu ray, your throat chakra. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to the third eye, the third eye chakra is basically the um, seeing, seeing everything as the creator. So at some point, and, and I have experienced this, your partner literally almost becomes indistinguishable from God in a sense, because you understand that they are an expression of God as you are. And so to make love to them in a sense is making love to the creator and receiving love from the creator. And when that is your vision of your partner and your sex, that's a third eye activation. Mm. And it's like, you, you literally can't imagine the fulfillment and the joy and the bliss that comes from these kinds of exchanges. It's what everyone's looking for. 
They're just typically looking for it in all the wrong places. Oh, so true. And just one little note on that that I think is really interesting. One of the most common things said during sex and during orgasm is, oh, God. That is yeah. that is one of the most commonly spoken or yelled, moaned terms. Uh, is Interesting. Why do we say that? Right. Because we are, you know, we are, we are so... We are experiencing God. We are God. We are in that pinnacle moment of, whew, gosh, I could go down a beautiful rabbit hole of many different adjectives and descriptors. But, um, you know, it's just, it's very interesting that that's what we say at that, that point in time. Yeah, not um, a coincidence. It is, isn't it? The law of one, you know, going back to it, reading it, it was so amazing of all the little big things that would touch on when it comes to our romantic lives and love lives. And there is so much, and we've been talking for a while. It feels like it's five minutes. And so it does. Does. it does. And this is usually what happens when we're together. It's like 18 hours later, we're still, <laughs> gosh, there are so many things that I want to talk about. And so I'm trying to decide, I'm like, Ooh, do we go this way? Ooh, do we go that way? Um, where where shall we go now? Well, I was thinking people might be wondering, all right, well, you've told me this, this distinction. You've made it very clear. And I definitely want to play the game this way now. So like, how do I unblock those primal energy centers? How yes. do I clean out those distortions so I can connect with somebody, right? Maybe we could go there. Yes. How do we do it, Aaron? <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> I have all the answers now. This is just what the law of one says. Again, if you understand the the energies that each energy center, each chakra represents, our entire makeup, the way we express our behavior patterns, our personality is all based on what energies we have in the chakras. It's our chakra network that's always expressing. Mm. So any distortion in any one of the energy centers will express as a personality distortion. You know, insecurity, pride, fear of abandonment, you know, we could name a million things. Those are distortions in the chakra network. So when you understand what each chakra represents, then it becomes clear how to unblock that chakra. So really, you know, red ray is, again, we touched on survival and sexuality. So any fear you have of being a person in the world, basically, of surviving in the world, you know, there's a lot of fear right now in the world for survival and health. Um, those are going to be red ray blockages. And Ra actually explains that the, the red ray, the bottom chakra of the negative pole, and the violet ray or the crown chakra of the positive pole are actually sort of the um, barriers or defense mechanisms of the energy body. So at the root, when there's fear, whether it's sexual fear or survival-based fear, that's gonna the red ray literally throws up an energetic shield. Mm -hmm. So it, it blocks any incoming catalyst or energy at all. Meaning if there is a red ray blockage, that energy can't be moved any further up the network. So if I'm afraid of my survival, like everything is an opportunity to grow and to, to evolve. But if I'm, if I'm in fear in any, of any kind, I'm blocking myself from being able to see the lesson, to see the growth opportunity because the energy can't even make it up that far. It's all about the primal animalistic survival, fight or flight. Yep. So that's red ray, a red ray blockage. So accepting, I am, I'm a 
I'm experiencing a, being a person in this world. And that's just, it is what it is. It's just part of the game. Accepting that is the first way of unblocking the red ray. And then I am a sexual being and my sexuality is beautiful and acceptable and good is another way to unblock it. Any resistance you have toward your sexuality, your gender, your orientation, any resistance at all is a blockage. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to orange ray, that's relationship to self. So this was huge for me, Jessica. I figured this out at some point in my relationship journey that I was, I wasn't okay being alone. Like whenever I was single, I was so lonely and I felt worthless and depressed and sad. I only felt valuable. You and most of the world. So exactly. Give it to us. Loneliness is a huge blockage for most people. And it's an orange ray blockage because what it really means is I don't love myself. So I need somebody else to do it for me. So at some point I figured this out, right? That I was in that place of, oh, I actually don't like myself at all. So I need somebody else to accept me. So I'll feel good about myself, which means I am not capable of being in a loving relationship because mm-hmm. a true loving relationship is selfless. It's about loving the other. So how can you give love if you don't even have it first for yourself? Yes. So I made this switch where I said, all right, I'm actually going to, I'm going to stop going out and dating all the time to find somebody who can fulfill me. I'm going to stay single on purpose and learn to love and accept myself until I get to the point where I am happy and fulfilled being single. Then I know I'm actually ready for the right person to come along. And it's funny how when you do that, the universe is happy to send you that right person, but you're not a match to them until you do that work on yourself. Oh, you are so spot on. And you know this firsthand that really... That's what I, I teach and talk about most of the time because yeah. when when somebody comes to me and they're like, Jessica, I, I need to find this person. I need to find my person. I desperately want this person. And, and when we look at how they're feeling about themselves, really, when somebody loves themselves unconditionally, unconditionally, that you love yourself like good, bad, and ugly, you're like, I'm good. I'm happy over here. I understand that I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to screw up and it's going to be like, oh, I, I messed that up. That's interesting. I'll, I'll learn from that. Won't do that again. And that creates an environment in which that we, first of all, are in our own little heaven over here. We're comfortable. We're happy. We're confident. We're not needy. We are living our, our best life out in the world of just experiencing life and we don't need someone. There's not that attachment of like, are you my person? Are you my person? <sighs> and those, those people, those people that can vibe on that wavelength, that is so sexy. And that's so attractive. Yeah, it is, right? It is so funny. It's like when you learn to love yourself in this very deep, beautiful level, you probably won't really want to be in a relationship. It just will be like, you know, one of those things you meet the person and it'll be, oh, this person helps, you know, with my growth. This person, oh, you know, it, it they only add value and you add value to, to them. And it's just fascinating that paradox of like, love yourself and you won't want a relationship anymore. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is a paradox, right? It is. But that's, you, you bring up a really interesting point that the law of one touches on which is that the lower three energy centers, the the negative poles, Ross says what they are seeking is the green ray energy. They're trying to go up the kundalini to get to the green ray because at the green ray, 
once those three energies of the animal nature, the relationship to self and relationship to the other, once those three energies are imbued with universal love, then like we've said, they become exalted to their highest expression. So again, you can enjoy the, the kinky, animalistic, primal, pleasurable sex with your partner without it having to be based on me being gratified and enhanced from this and you're, I'm dominating you. It doesn't have to be that way to enjoy that expression of the creator. Mm-hmm. So Ra actually says that if there is a relationship where one person is operating in green ray, which th- we see this all the time in current relationships, and I'm, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but typically it's the woman who actually wants love and wants to commit to the man. The man has no emotional availability. He's still kind of coming out of like hookup lifestyle. And so he's accidentally caught the feels for this girl. So he's going to try to date her. So they get into a relationship. And then the, high, the heights of specialness happen for, we call it the honeymoon phase, mm-hmm. three to six months or whatever. And then once the specialness settles down, those distorted animalistic blockages for unquenchable need for lust to be satisfied begin mm-hmm. to surface again. And typically the man has to follow those energies and he goes and cheats and the woman's mm-hmm. left feeling you know, abandoned and uh, uh, neglected or betrayed rather. And Ross says, what happens actually is that because those distortions are really seeking love to be, to satisfy themselves, that's the only thing that can actually relieve that itch that can't be scratched is love. But the person doesn't know that when there's a relationship where one is operating in green ray, the other's not, it will cause the one who's not operating, typically the man, not always, to have more and more unsatisfaction in that relationship because they're, they're sort of experiencing what can fulfill them, which is they're being loved, they're feeling love. So you have the guy who will give lip service to his girlfriend or his wife, baby, you're my everything, I can't live without you, because he's getting that fulfillment from her that he doesn't have for himself yet. But then when she's not around, he's DMing, texting, cheating. And then we catch the guy and we all go, come on, man, how could you have done that? Look at all these beautiful Instagram posts you made about your girlfriend and the whole time you were cheating? Like, how can you be such a two-face? But it's like, that's the nature of energy is that he's being pulled in two different directions, Mm. which is kind of pulling two different expressions out of him. And to him, he he doesn't know either. He's like, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I just, (laughs) I couldn't resist the urge. Yeah, exactly. So it's fascinating. It is fascinating. And would we call it resistance that he's being called to elevate and the ego's like, I I don't know if we want to go there. I don't know if it's safe to to open that heart. And so that's where there's that, you know, well, she's, she's everything I've been dreaming of yet. You know, I can't stop DMing this Instagram model that has a great ass. Like I, Oh, like, Oh, and there's that. And we see it right where how many times is the guy dating some absolute bombshell of a woman and we all go. And usually the one he cheats on is in the world's eyes, maybe even less attractive than his actual wife or girlfriend, but he, but he did it anyway. And we all go, what's wrong with you? Like, like Jay-Z on Beyonce. Let's use that example. Um, we all went, Jay-Z, how could you you buffoon cheat on Beyonce? She's like the most attractive woman on earth, but that's what you need to see, right? Is that it's not logical at all. It's not rational, which is why the person who is cheated on should never take it personally because it literally has nothing to do with you. You could be anybody and they would still do it because they're being pulled by the attraction of the negative polarity. They don't even know it. Right. Oh my goodness. So Aaron, how do we rectify this? How, how do, how do we get these guys, you know, at the, the 
the Jay-Z's, the, we, we, we love Jay-Z that like <laughs> the, we you, well, yes. <laughs> How do we resolve that in ourselves? So then we can be at peace with ourselves, have healthy, happy relationships and evolve the collective consciousness. Yeah. Excellent question, Jessica. <laughs> that is the question. That is the question. And the answer is, uh, Ra actually, they ask Ra basically that exact question in the Law of One. And Ra gives a really amazing answer that's very simple that anyone can sort of take and make use of, which is, uh, Ra calls it the disciplines of the personality. And they say there's, th- there's three disciplines of the personality. And these are basically the three ways, the three things you need to clear out your blockages and, and evolve positively. And they are know yourself, accept yourself, and then become the creator. And it has to happen in that order. So know yourself, that's self-awareness. So become aware of your blockages, right? Become aware of the fact that, oh man, I can't even connect with people anymore because I've been doing this hookup lifestyle for so long, but I want to connect with somebody. Let me become aware what's creating that lack of connection. Because if you're not aware of it, you'll never be able to do anything about it. Exactly. So it requires self-honesty, self-transparency, self-study, self-examination, but know yourself, right? Get to know your makeup and why you behave the way you behave and know your traumas, know your history and how it affects you. And that's the first step. Second step is accept yourself, synonymous with love yourself. Now, these are not the same thing. You can absolutely have awareness of yourself, but still resist yourself, right? Absolutely. You can see those blockages. You can see those bad habits and feel guilty and shameful for them and not accept them and love them. So to love yourself, to love your imbalances and blind spots and whatever, doesn't mean you enjoy the effects they give you, right? You can't enjoy suffering or it's not suffering. <laughs> what, it, what it means is, see it for what it is, understand it's not wrong. I just, that was the path I went down. That's where life took me. That's the lessons I was being served by life. And that's the way I'm, I am today. I accept that. I love that. I am okay with that. They're just lessons to be learned. There's nothing wrong with them. That's love. That's loving yourself. So you know yourself, you accept all those aspects of yourself, and then you can access seeing yourself, knowing yourself as God, as the creator which then means everyone else is too. That's where happiness, enlightenment, peace of mind is found is in the third step, which you have to do the first two in order to get to the third step. And so really it's just this paradox that you even touched on of, again, accepting that I am the one infinite creator. I am source. I am one with God and that is my true nature, but also accepting all of your seeming imbalances and imperfections at the same time. I am a soul on a journey at the same time. Both are equally true. Only when you hold both as equally true can you access knowing yourself as the creator. A lot of spirituality sometimes ends up being the denial of this at the, for the acceptance of that. And you can't, right? I'm not a human. You know, let's go 5D. Let's get out of this 3D. But it's like, have you actually transcended 3D yet to go to 5D? Most people haven't. Most people want to escape 3D, escape the person, escape the baggage. Don't we and you all gotta love it and accept it. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. Mm, I I love all of that, and it's it's actually pretty 
beautiful that Ra would bestow these three things on us and just say, hey, if you do these, like life is going to be pretty great. And we can take, you know, and and that goes for all parts of our life, including our love life. And oh, I just love it so much. And oh my gosh, Aaron, there is just so much to be said with the law of one and how it works within our lives. And oh my goodness. <sighs> <laughs> I think we're going to have to do part two, if that's okay. I would love it. There's so much to unpack. Like, I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface today. I know. There's there's so much. There is... I, I have a whole list of things to to discuss with you. And I'm like, ooh, I feel like this is a, a nice little place to start and get everybody on board, get the conversation going. Because, you know, those 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 three things that you just gave us, that's the starting point, you know, to, to look at that... Uh, like, okay, go on your spiritual journey. If you are not happy in your marriage, if you are not happy when you're out dating, if, you know, there's problems going on, if there's abuse, if there's whatever it is, it's time to, you know, start at step one, examining ourselves and and go through those. And uh, as much terrible things that are going on in the world right now, and, you know, we Definitely do not have to touch on any of that. Also, on the other side of the spectrum, I see a lot of a lot of beauty and how we are having this conversation and how people are, yeah, even though the dating world is tumultuous and difficult and ugly at times, there's also another side of it that is so beautiful that people are having beautiful conversations and connections and are are really living the practices of, of law of one. And that gives me, that gives me hope for us. I know that's why I'm so passionate about teaching this stuff because the more people know this information, the more empowered they become to make those right decisions for the vast majority of us. We're just victims of our own ignorance. Like people aren't trying to live in these ways. They're not trying to create their own suffering. They just don't know how or where they are creating that suffering. And so the law of one becomes an amazing way to just break it down. Here's the game you're playing. Here's how it works. As, as advanced as a lot of the stuff we've talked about today might sound to most people, especially those new to the law of one, really, these are just kind of the basics. This is the foundation of how this works, positive, negative polarity and energy exchange. And there's just endless amount of conversations we can have about it. But I think the takeaway point, if we could encapsulate it somehow, is the knowing yourself accepting yourself and becoming the creator. When you truly achieve that, when you love yourself, like to love yourself is to see yourself as something that is holy and divine and sacred. And when you know you're holy and sacred and divine, you just become unwilling and maybe not even unwilling, but incapable of exchanging energy with others who don't see you that way. Ooh, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. That's, where the, that's where the juice is. That is where the juice is. And you operate, you operate on a different level that, uh, you know, you have more self-respect, your, your boundaries are, are established. You just operate differently. And, huh, and then you, you also do it on, uh, on autopilot. It's just becomes your way of being. And so default mode, it's the default mode. So life is much easier. Yeah, Aaron, I'm serious. We need to have a part two because there are so many things left to discuss. Oh my goodness. 
because sure I know we'll get a lot of questions too. We're going to get a lot of questions. I already know what questions were some of them that we're going to get the questions you and I talk about, you know, privately, yep. people are going to be asking about soulmates, twin flames. I love that love one touches on homosexuality and yeah. sexual trauma and sexual experiences and how the imprint that, I mean, there, there's just so much for us to talk about. I know it gets into everything. Yes. It's, it's pretty amazing. And speaking of amazing, you are amazing. You're one of my favorite people on this whole planet and this, in this whole universe. You're one of my favorites. We always say this, right? I say, you're my favorite and you're my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I concur. Well, I love being your favorite. So thank you. I feel so unique. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so unique, not special. Right. You're learning. This is good. I am learning. (laughs) You make me feel so unique. (laughs) Okay. My amazing friend, please share with the world. What are you up to right now? Because you are always, you were the hardest working man. You were actually, I don't, I don't know if I told you this, but on my new year's resolutions, one of my mantras is work like Aaron. Oh, wow. That's a, that's high praise, right? Work like Aaron. Cause you, you are always grinding. You are always grinding. So what, what are you up to now? And what can we expect from you in the future? Oh man, I, I wish I could say, but <laughs> Jessica knows, but I got to keep it a, I got to keep it a secret for now. Yes, I got a lot yes. of really exciting things coming this year. I'm writing a book, trying to get that out by the end of the year. I have some really exciting events I'll be speaking at later this year. I've got right now, the most relevant thing is I'm, I'm relaunching a, a series I did last summer that was like a huge smash hit on my YouTube channel, which was the Remember I Am series. Ooh, it's yeah. like a live free ser- four-part series that anyone can participate in. That's really about evolving spiritually and balancing and growing. And so we're doing part two of that uh, starting in April. And we're going to be touching on the four yogas from Hinduism, which are basically the four elements in a yogic form. So it'll be very relevant to what we've discussed in today's podcast. And that starts on April 12th. So that'd be the most relevant thing. And the other things, you'll have to wait a few more months to find out. (laughs) And I am so excited. I'm going to be front row and center cheering you on. I I can't wait. And you are so deserving. You are definitely of service to others. And you are such a bright light and an incredible spirit and human as well. So yes, thank you, Aaron, so much. Tell people how they can find you. I make it really simple. I'm at Aaron Abke on all platforms, Instagram, youtube.com slash Aaron Abke, AaronAbke.com. That's where you'll find me. Love it. Nice and easy. And from the bottom of my heart, my dear friend, thank you so much for being on the game of love. It is such a treat having you here again. I've wanted you on this show for so long. You're on my radio show and we had so much fun and uh, this was just extra special. And again, you know, we just scratched the surface. And so I hope you come back and we can go deeper. I would love for you all listening to, to send us questions and we will, we'll do a a Q and a with Aaron and let's do it. Let's do it. Aaron, thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for listening. You guys go follow Aaron, go watch his videos. He's incredible. And again, thank you guys for listening. Now, Till next time, get out there and love each other.